Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today I'd like to talk about one of the greatest spiritual mediums of all time, Mrs. Gladys Osborne Leonard. She was born in 1882, the very year that the Society for Psychical Research in England was founded. She died in 1968, and she worked professionally as a spiritualist medium for nearly half a century. During that time, uh, she was officially sponsored for a good part of it by the Society for Psychical Research. And throughout her career, I can tell you this, there was never any suggestion of fraud on her part. Now, she was born, I think it's fair to say, with some psychic gifts. She had the ability to see what she called the Happy Valley, a, a place of uh, spiritual wonders. But her parents, being Anglican, frowned on this and, and discouraged it. And, and yet, um, as she grew up, she had inclinations towards spiritualism and uh uh, her parents were wealthy, but they lost their money, and uh, she was forced to find work as an actress and as a singer, and often bit roles where she'd have a lot of time to spend backstage with her fellow workers. And it was during that period, early in her career, where they began to sit, because spiritualism was quite popular in the early part of the 20th century, and uh, they would attempt to, to do something simple like table levitation or contacting spirits. And uh, she reports in her book, My Life in Two Worlds, that uh, for the first six weeks or so, I think 26 seance sessions in a row, nothing whatsoever happened. But she stuck with it. And uh, she felt she was being urged on because of readings that she had gotten from other mediums. And eventually, she began experiencing table levitations and a wide variety of other phenomena. I think because she herself was a devout spiritualist, uh, she was able to enter into circles where very dramatic things occurred. And she reports witnessing in her, in her books, uh, in particularly My Life in uh, Two Worlds, uh, materialized spirits who would interact with them. Although this is not what she herself was known for. She witnessed this uh, in seances with other mediums. Now, the Society for Psychical Research actually set up an exclusive arrangement with her in 1918, uh, where she sat only for uh, sitters who were recommended by the Society, and they had complete records of 73 sittings that took place at that time. And uh, I'll go into some of those, as well as other findings that occurred over her long career. A typical example would be one reported by a lady named Lily Talbot, who had a seance with her in which 
uh, she was given information about finding a notebook of her husband who, who had been deceased. And, and the information was that if she found this old notebook on a certain page, she'd find references to Semitic languages and ancient languages. And there she should look. She would find a special message. And uh, indeed, she found the notebook in uh, the library, something she had overlooked for years, hadn't paid any attention to it. One of her husband's notebooks in it, she found uh, at the page specified references to Semitic languages and other ancient languages. And there also, her husband had written a message in which he had copied down uh, a passage from a book he had read in which uh, it talked about the afterlife and what to expect and what a happy place it would be. One example. Another uh, example, an American woman, Lydia Allison, uh, had many sessions with her and she was concerned because over the course of many sessions with Mrs. Osborne, you get to know her, you become friendly. And during that time, a lot of detailed, verifiable information about her deceased husband was reported. She turned that information over to Walter Franklin Prince, a, a minister who was the research director at the time of the American Society for Psychical Research. And in evaluating the information, he pointed out that much of the best information that came through, detailed and specific about her husband and accurate, came in the very first session. A study was done by John Thomas, another American, uh, for which he earned his doctoral degree in psychology at Duke University, working under the eminent psychologist William McDougall. And in it, he had sittings, many sittings with Mrs. Leonard. He determined item by item that she had provided him with 2,964 specific points of information. And of those, he determined that 2,358 of them were accurate. Only 196 were incorrect. And, and the rest simply you couldn't be verified one way or another. Another study with Mrs. Leonard was conducted by William Brown, who founded the first psychology laboratory at Oxford University in the United Kingdom. And he published his findings with Mrs. Leonard in his book, Science and Personality, in which he received detailed information from four different deceased friends of his working uh, through her. In fact, they were the very four people that he was hoping to receive information from. Another example, uh, and this is very interesting, has to do with the phenomenon of cross-correspondences, where a, a deceased person comes through multiple mediums and gives messages that only make sense when you put them together. And in this case, we're talking about 
the wife of William Barrett, who was one of the founders of the Society for Psychical Research. He was a physicist and she, the, his wife, Florence Barrett, attended a seance with Mrs. Leonard because uh, she had heard from some of her friends that they thought her deceased husband was coming through. And in the seance, he came through and he said, I have left a message with another source far, far away. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, it turns out that there was another lady who later, about three weeks later, I think it was, contacted Florence Barrett, a woman named Mrs. Jervis, who had been scheduled to have tea with William Barrett, but the tea event it was canceled because of Barrett's death. And she received a letter from Mrs. Piper, the transmedium often compared with Mrs. Leonard, a great transmedium in Boston discovered by the great American psychologist William James. And Mrs. Piper wrote to Mrs. Jervis because in one of her sessions, William Barrett came through saying, please tell Mrs. Jervis I'm very sorry that I missed my appointment with her because I died. It's a good example of a cross correspondence. Now, probably the most famous case associated with Gladys Osborne Leonard is, has to do with her sittings with the eminent physicist Sir Oliver Lodge with Marconi, one of the co-discoverers of the radio. And uh, Lodge wrote a whole book called Raymond about communications he'd received from his son Raymond who died in the First World War. And um, these were mediated by Mrs. Leonard. One notable example uh, had to do with a photograph, and I'm showing that photograph now. You can see Raymond in the uh, lower left-hand corner of, of the photograph, and in it, uh, he has a walking stick on his lap, and behind him, the soldier behind him has his hand on his shoulder. Now, he described that photograph in one of the seances. Oliver Lodge and his wife hadn't seen it, but uh, Raymond said it was taken a few weeks before his death, and uh, they found it uh, several weeks after the seance had arrived in the mail from the mother of another soldier who had a copy of it. And as described, there he is with a walking cane across his lap and uh, the uh, fellow behind him is uh, has his hand on his shoulder, is leaning on him as described. That was one of many examples to turn somebody like a hardcore physicist and uh, a person with a, a, one might say, a skeptical tendency, although 10 years before he had already investigated spiritualism and had reached positive conclusions. Sir Oliver Lodge, a very important case in the history of psychical research, in the history of spiritualism. Another uh, important examples came from the Reverend Drayton Thomas, who had many sessions with Mrs. Leonard in which he would ask the deceased 
people to tell him what was going to be in the newspaper tomorrow to see if because they were deceased, uh, they had precognitive abilities. And, and he found many precognitive successes down to very specifics like open the newspaper to a certain page, look at a certain column, and there you will see written your name and your father's name. <laughs> And, and the name of another close relative, all precisely specified. And uh, yet another example from a Mrs. Dawson Smith uh, had a session with Mrs. Leonard in which her deceased son, so many young men were, had died in the First World War. And uh, he told her to look in a particular old leather pouch where there would be a receipt. He said, you're going to need that receipt. So, um, she, uh, about a week or two later, got a notice because after the armistice, uh, German companies were now in communication with people from England and a company in Hamburg wrote to Mrs. Dawson Smith saying, your son owes us this money. We want you to pay. But the receipt showed that the bill had already been paid. That came through Mrs. Leonard. Now, I should say, um, that Mrs. Leonard, like many spiritualist mediums, had a control. This control was called FEDA. She actually, I think, had a much longer name, but they use FEDA. And supposedly, she would have been the wife of Mrs. Gladys Osborne Leonard's great-great-grandfather, a young child from India who married him and died in childbirth at the age of 13 in the year 1800. Now, perhaps all of this is true, and uh, we, we don't know. The actual identity has never been established, but many researchers endeavor to try to figure out whether Feta, who spoke in a childlike voice and very broken English, uh, was a, an actual deceased personality or might have been a sub-personality of Mrs. Leonard's own psyche. It's very important uh, for researchers to understand this. And uh, many psychological tests were done. Uh, in general, the researchers concluded that Feta was actually a sub-personality because there were ways in which her personality mirrored those of Mrs. Leonard. They did the um, uh, Jungian tests where, where the, you're given a word association tests and where they time how long it takes you to answer or to come up with an association to particular words. They found that when they gave Mrs. Leonard the test, the words that she answered quickly, responded to quickly, were the same words that Feta took a long time to respond to and vice versa suggesting that the two personalities complemented each other and suggesting to the researchers that Feta was not an authentic, discarnate spirit. But I think it's fair to say that the, the general thinking amongst researchers who study mediumship is, is that it's a, uh, I think the word that was used by Mrs. Eleanor Sidgwick, uh, who wrote about it is that it's an overshadowing. You develop a subconscious personality that has the will to engage in spiritualistic communication. And then on top of that, 
the, is the will that comes from the other side to, uh, is to personate, to, uh, to take over the uh, person. So one might say that Mrs. Leonard, uh, in her lengthy career, most of the communications came directly through FETA. Sometimes, however, though they were actually direct voices that were observed, where Feta would be interacting with another spirit, and you'd hear the voice of the other spirit coming from somewhere in the room. That was reported on numerous occasions by the uh, Reverend Drayton Thomas. Well, what an exciting career Gladys Osborne Leonard had, impeccable in many ways in terms of her sincerity, not, of course, her accuracy, like any person working in the paranormal. You're not, never, you're never a hundred percent accurate. In fact, in most endeavors of human activity, you're never a hundred percent accurate. But let me leave you with this question. If you were able to have a session with one of the world's greatest spiritualist mediums, what would be your intention? Who would you like to contact? What would you like to know? How would it change your life? Thank you for being with me.